2: Hello and
3: welcome to your post-match raw on Anfield in Next Pro podcasting to you from a field here in the beautiful rural Ireland. I'm Trev Downey, and joining me to give their immediate reactions to Liverpool nil, Manchester United nil in the Premier League from Anfield are Carl Matchett and Jim Boardman. Uh, we haven't had a chance to talk at all. I'm, I'm late to the party, Carl, um, but I'm gonna assume there's a level of frustration in all of us after what was an objectively frustrating afternoon. Uh, I don't think, personally, it's half as bad as um, an awful lot of people seem to be thinking. I think they might be getting led by the nose, by the... um, unbelievably negative portrayal of events by Carragher and uh, Neville on Sky. A lot of people would have been following that thread, but it is a missed opportunity to stretch out a little bit of a lead and it feels very much like we've left points behind us, I guess.
0: Yeah, definitely so. I mean, first of all, it was at home. Any game we don't win is drop points. That's you know, simple fact of the matter of our home form and the requirements of the Premier League top two, top three, whatever it is. Hmm. Um, but, uh, to be honest, I, I, I feel it was as disappointing, not for the same reasons that they're saying on, on you know, the, the commentary and all the rest of it, but because basically we've come to expect a lot more from this team already. It's very, very early in this team's uh, renewal and regeneration or whatever, but I expected a lot more than this. I expected a lot more intensity and pace to the game. I definitely expected a lot more movement than we got today. And even if the technical level is not really there, which it definitely wasn't today, there's still enough in this team to make things happen and win. And we didn't really do anywhere near enough, I don't think, of several key things which will undo this Man United team. And it's very, very frustrating then when you see whoever, whichever other team, basically, um, you know, Wolves, or or Brentford, or Brighton, whoever it is, doing them repeatedly to them, even if your team's not in form and playing at their best and all the rest of it, we've still got loads more than United have. Like, they're going to somehow come out of this game with more credit than Liverpool because they didn't concede a goal and, like, Mm. barely crossed the halfway line more than, like, twice. So I am frustrated with the game. I'm not very happy with the performance level, but it's not for the same reasons as they're suggesting
3: on telly. Yeah. And, and, and just to be clear, um, you know, uh, it's not adopting a contrarian position here, uh, which I have seen somebody suggest and fair play. I, I get what they're saying. Uh, I, I'm just I guess last year was a bag of shit and we beat them 7-0. I still would have. Belief. I think an awful lot of people have fallen into this thing of, oh, it's gone now uh, type of thing. Um, and I, I don't think anyone sensible who's listening to this show, certainly none of the contributors to it, were buying into the nonsense about <clears throat> we're going to absolutely hammer these. Nobody believed that. The, the, the closest thing to that was possibly someone like myself saying, well, if we play to the best of our ability, then we should have more than what they have, which is exactly the sentiment Carl's just expressed. And Jim, I suppose that's where the, the frustration comes from, because as Carl says, right or wrong, the results have led us to a point where we have begun to dream and this team is the reason for it and then there's this collective sort of falling off in terms of the quality of a lot of our new favorites and old favorites and it is therefore frustrating and people will start going to all the usual things i just i suppose i'm hoping that we we certainly will avoid it here with the level of of sensible contribution from you two but i'm hoping that we can possibly convince people to not go to the well of pessimism and start throwing all their toys out of the pram because it isn't quite uh, as bleak as all that it's a frustrating result but in the bigger picture of things will it matter if we beat arsenal i don't think so
1: No, and I think that's the thing. If you look at the table and you think about it this way, that means the league title is still in our hands, but there's a hell of a Mm. long way to go. You know, we've played, we're not quite halfway, are we? So, you know, a long way to go, a lot of games to play. Um, I I think the frustrations as much as anything today are, you know, imagine... It, just even without what it means to us, it, it was such a horrendous game to watch a, a team coming to Anfield from way down the table to compare to us, just setting out to defend for 90 minutes and, and being delighted with a nil nil draw. You know, I mean, I don't know. I think even Roy Hodgson would have been ashamed of, of, of that as the, as the visiting team. And that, that's another thing to sort of take into consideration. I was joking before we came on that if there was a, if there's a Man United version of post match raw, you know, they'll probably be celebrating that. But if they're being honest with themselves, they should be absolutely fuming with that. Because if that's what their club's come to, what does that say? And I think, you know, there's plenty for us to learn from from that. Um So much we can go into, I'm sure, as, as we go on. Um It's just this thing that I, we have been getting better at breaking down these teams that just come to defend. Um The teams that make football so crap to watch, it's not even just about what you think of your own team, what the point you know, the two points drop because it is what that means to you frustrating all in itself. But, you know, just sort of even taking all that out of it, just to watch that game of football was unbelievably frustrating. And if, you know, if, I mean, there's nothing we can do. That's how football is. And if, if that's how you want to play, you play within the reels, fine. That's what you want to do. Um, I mean, I can remember making comments like this when we watched teams like Stoke and, and that kind of team and, and say, how on earth can fans sit there and watch that week in, week out with such a lack of ambition. Now, to be fair to United I suppose that's probably not how they're going to play week in week out all the way through the season it's how they needed to play today Um so you know they've managed to not extend the losing run but they haven't actually managed to um you know that run without a win is going on and on for them Um and, and to be honest with you, if that's how they play the looks like there's no sign of it changing but you know we're not here to talk about them we're here to talk about us and it's an opportunity missed but I mean God, halfway through the season, you can't be talking last week about, hey God, we could win this league and a week later after a nil nil. Against, let's face it, a team that that came for a nil nil, you can't you can't look at that and go, Right, we can't win the league. I mean, there's a hell of a lot of seasons still to go. Um we we can play well. I just wish we could. I wish we didn't have to wait for the other team to score I mean I, I was thinking sort of midway through this, the second half if they score now we might start playing and we'll mm. probably win you know that that's what it felt like it did it did it did feel like there was a catalyst needed to give us that rocket
3: uh, and that's not ideal but again it's a team that's learning to play together when you have certain individuals who are off form or not being able to do their very best it leaves you with um, diminishing opportunities however we have to be we have to try to give some sort of a a factual response to the game and a realistic response to the the game and i understand every disappointment nobody's more disappointed than me i mean i fucking hate this lot like with a passion uh you know and i'm 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 you know you and i are of similar vintage jim and and it's a lot of years it's a lot of years to build up animosity and you know so when i see some you know Kid scre- screeching at me about how awful we are and everything's gone to
1: shit. I, I- I just don't have patience with that because This isn't a Monday morning water cooler, oh my God, I'm dreading going into work tomorrow Not for us, it should be for them not for us.
3: Exactly, and this is the thing we're watching, and again perspective, we're watching Sky creating a narrative around a wonderful plucky nil-nil performance from Manchester United, and again let's take the actual bullshit out of this, let's talk about what was actually happening. If you want to know what the truth about football is and how the patterns of team are usually going, try I listened to Jan Mulby on our show on a weekly basis and he was talking a couple of weeks ago about how United were in a really good run. Yes, they went out of Europe. So fucking what? They went out of Europe, but they have been putting together a decent run of form in the league. They have all sorts of things going awry with the club. But it's Manchester United. And as you say, Jim, if you bring a team of reasonably solid footballers to get a draw, it's quite often the result that you will get, regardless of how things are going for you or for the opposition, because it's just very, very difficult to break down. And I think, again, like I said, perspective, that's what they came for. It was the, the, the stats on the match are absolutely absurd. Yes, they fashioned a couple of good breaks in the second half and they at least one 1v1 with who did fantastically, as he always does in those situations. But it's 34 shots. A lot of our shots were utterly shit, let's be honest, to their six. Um, and again, most of their efforts are in the second half. Uh, the the XG for Liverpool was 2.35 or something. We had eight shots on target. And again, none of them really good enough. A couple of half-decent headers, perhaps, and and uh, 70% odd of the ball. Uh, we own the football for the most part. They sat in. That's the way the game went. Now, look, we're going to get into it and we're going to see where everyone's frustrating, frustration is arising from. And perhaps in the in the act of actually reviewing the, what actually happened in the game, we may also see that there's not just as black and white a narrative. And, well, be as disappointed as you want. By all means, I agree. I'm, I'm gutted we're not sitting pretty at the top of the league. That absolutely sucks. But, you know, we can't, we've got to keep some of the toys back in the pram. I want to look at the way the the teams lined up. And Jim, I'm just going to stay with you before I go back to talk to Carl about United because Carl and, and uh, Dave had looked ahead to this game for Scouted. And, um, The Liverpool lineup, I don't know if it was as surprising, um, to everybody else as it was to me. I did not see Endo starting. I did not see Gravenberg starting. Uh, but then again, I knew one of them would have to, to see both of them start. I thought was odd. The back four isn't, is not going to shock anyone. Um, given the situation we're in currently, um, maybe if Joel Matt was around and fit, he might have played. Who knows? Um, but I thought Kanate um, had a good evening, a good afternoon, and and as did Van Dyke. Not that they were overly troubled, but I thought they really com- contributed to our progressive play quite well. Um, Simicus had a half decent afternoon again, not under massive pressure, uh, and Trent, you know, did his defensive duty pretty well. Uh, he had a couple of very good uh, defensive interjections, but you'd have to say his uh, set pieces and final pass were not of his. Standard excellence. Um, so Bosley was the, was the guy who started alongside the two I've mentioned in midfield. And he had again one of those more lackluster out, out, outings that he's had in recent times where you just think it'd be lovely. We could just rest the guy for a couple of weeks, but we can't. Uh, and we had, we went with Salah, Nunes, and Diaz. And at least two, if not three of them have been law of diminishing returns as games have gone on lately as well. It's all very frustrating, Jim. But on the bench we had Adrian Kelleher, Gomez, Jones, Elliot, Gakpo the last four all came on alongside McConnell, Kwanzaa and Bradley. Not as strong of a bench as you'd like to see. Uh, and we can start to see now that for all the talk about United's injuries, ours are actually impacting what we can do on match days as well. What did you think of the Liverpool lineup? Was it as you had expected? Would you preferred to see something different? And maybe just a quick word for the subs. We'll get to them so we don't have to go into in great detail, but we'll get to them, but just in terms of their impact, um, if you want to
1: mention them too. Yeah, I mean, I think it was one of those games where the team almost picked itself, because you, the front three, um, you know he's going to start Salah, you know he's probably going to start Diaz, so it's between Nunez and Gakpo. And before the game, I would have said, yeah, Nunez, I would give Nunez the nod um against that wonderful Manchester United keeper because I just think, you know, on his day, he could really, really worry that keeper. Um Back four, again, same as yourself. I'm not sure who else you you would have picked out the back four given what we've got. Um But then it came to midfield. And um I mean, the first thing I always look at, well, OK, I always look at the team, but then I always quickly look at the bench and think, what have we got? Who have we left out? And we only had four players on that bench that I would say you would expect to come on um, you know, if you're winning 7-0 with 10 minutes to go, maybe some of the others would go on, but that wasn't going to be the case today. Um, so we had four players off on the bench we could bring on. We couldn't really. I was just not expecting us to use all five unless there was some horrendous, uh, injury late on. Um, unexpected injury late on. So that, that, that straight away tells you you're limited. But even so, I don't know, maybe, maybe, maybe my heart's ruling my head a little bit, but, I don't understand why Curtis Jones was missing from this fixture because he's been good this season until he had that suspension and, and sort of lost his place. And let's face it, he's not really got his place back since that suspension. Um To me, this game was perfect for him. It was just the right kind of game where he could make a difference. And I mean, to be fair, you know, we'll, we'll come on to it later. I'm not sure I was proved right when he did come on. Um But I just think, you know, getting him on from the off. Um And also, I just, I don't know, I think... We're still looking for that myth, that that mystery defensive midfielder, that number six. Endo, Endo, Endo's got some good signs, but you know, how many games does he play well? How many games does he not play well? It's a bit. You know, you can't really be sure which endo you're going to get, and it's not always a great endo. Um, but no, I, I agree. I think the, the midfield three, I was surprised. I, I really do think we'd see Jones in there. And I even thought this might have been, you know, maybe this was the game where you could try um, Trent in midfield from the off. But, you know, we've God, it feels like we've gone on about it so much lately. But I, I, it, it feels like every game that goes by, we're proving more and more that with Trent, you're better off deciding is he going to play on the right or is he going to play in the middle? And not try and do both because it just feels like it, it doesn't work. And I don't know, but today, just a bad day for everyone, but it, it, is it hitting his confidence as well? When you see games like today, it doesn't, I don't know. I'm just not, I'm just not pleased with, with that midfield three at all. Um, but let then again, as I said, look at the bench. I think Jones was probably the only one that you would have brought in instead. Cause I'm not, I mean, I'm not sure I would have brought Elliot on as a midfield member from the off.
2: and a license with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to anfieldindex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index.
3: Yeah, well, there you go. And that's, again, like you say, one of those endless debates we've been having all season. And credit where it's due. I saw a lot of people, including specifically the uh, Chuckle Brothers and Sky uh, digging Endo out. And I thought he did a solid enough afternoon for some very good progressive passing and stuff like that. Um, and considering but, he was on a booking for so long as well. Yeah, Exactly, exactly. But to look at United and the way they set up, which is, of course is a massive, massive part of the uh, narrative with a trademark uh, just beside it, uh, Carl. Uh, they went with um, the highly rated Onana, you know, Jim's right, it would have been lovely to really, really put that guy under pressure. We didn't do it enough. But they were with Dallo, Varan, Evans and Shaw, which is by no means what you call a um, um, premium defensive lineup, uh, and absolutely get at Of course, all of them in their own ways at their own times have had decent form and some of them have been absolutely excellent at times. But in Amrabat, Mainu, McTominay and Anthony. You're looking at four lads who shouldn't be putting fear into anyone. And also you'd question their ability as uh, individuals who can put up a defensive shield. It looked very much when we ran at Amrabad a few times in the opening part of the game. That he was the most gettable of them all, and we just seem to stop doing it. And obviously, then Hoyland and Garnacho uh, as more nominal attackers um, alongside Anthony. It, it just it's, it does it's not a, a lineup that strikes fear into anyone's hearts. Of course, they are all competent footballers who some of them who've been dreadfully out of form. And you know, the nature of tribalism is for us to say something like, "Well, Anthony is a shit footballer," but he's the kind of footballer who earned an 85 million move so he must have been good at some point Uh, you could probably make that case for an awful lot of them and then on their bench you know again Bayinders on there uh, Cambuala Regulon, Wan-Bissaka Gore Hannibal Palistri. pardon me for not being terrified Van de Beek and Rashford possibly the two bigger names who might add something going forward it shouldn't have been a scary team to go up against it should be a team that we're talking about uh, having defeated Carl
0: yes and that is the point I think that's I mean front to back you can pretty much pick out whichever line you want and say what are we scared of here what are we expecting to struggle against here and I think you'd probably be right in every single one of them you got a ridiculously not just out of form but lacking confidence there a goalkeeper because of everything that's been made about him uh, a back four, which contained people who weren't supposed to be in the starting lineup and have basically been ostracized from the starting lineup. Uh, another player of those in midfield who was actually wearing the captain's armband, having only a few weeks ago basically been told that he's not wanted in the team, that he's not, not capable of playing the way that United want. So, I mean, what, what were we supposed to be afraid of here? I think we went out and played the only way we could have done. Um, obviously in the end that's that's not proven anywhere near enough because of our own performance but United at the minute have problems front to back in terms of the personnel they have bigger problems with the way that they want to play and for that exact reason I think is is where a lot of the expectation pre-game that you spoke about came from and obviously where the disappointment at the end of the match will come from as well um, just a word on the substitutions I do think that there's a little bit as well which maybe gets I don't know if it's overlooked or just sort of forgotten about or ignored or whatever. But when we look at our bench and we say, well, oh, maybe we hit, we're we struggling a little bit with numbers or all the rest of it, we've got to remember that there are, it has been, again, over the last couple of years, another increase in the number of subs you can name every single game. And I think when we look at it and say, "Oh, there's only four people or five people who we would reasonably expect to call upon as a first teamer. it's not that long ago we were only calling upon five at all as a sub. And then obviously up to seven and now again more. So I don't think it's outrageous that we don't always have an exceptionally strong bench I think that that is okay um, especially when we consider United had far more absentees who wouldn't have been in the
3: squad than us absolutely and you know I guess maybe in a game of fine margins when you're hoping to consider yourself a title challenger Um, those absences for us are all that we worry about and you know in Xhota we have a man who knows where the net is Uh, and Nunes is let's be honest hopelessly out of form Diaz looks really hopelessly out of form as well they're capable of moments (laughs) we're waiting for them to kick back in but it's not really happening and even Salah obviously we know is not at his brilliant best either so it, 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 you know when you when you start to think about the fact that there are some players who could make a massive massive difference to us Andy Robertson going forward on that flank um, um as i said um, um Diogo Jota as a difference maker in a shit game like this. Um you, it's difficult to be without them too if you were hoping to be uh, at the top of the tree come May. Anyway, we, this is this is this is how it went. It, it was a very frustrating afternoon which Michael Oliver took charge of and I think we can say for the most part it's um unremarkable. Um with one or two exceptions and there's an awful lot of chat lately I noticed um, they seem to be emerging as quite the protected species lots of people saying that it's just mean to critique refs I was involved and tagged into a conversation last night and I honestly I mean (laughs) There are obviously extremes on both sides, but I'm never going to be team referee or defending referees as as if there's some sort of great like paragons of virtue who are doing something for uh, noble reasons. Uh, But at the same time, I do understand slagging them off just for the sake of it is no good to anybody. So let's get into the details of the match. And Jim, if you and I start the first half, it starts very well for us, if we're being honest. And, you know, we've no goals to discuss here, so it'll be a matter of picking out the things that you want to talk about, the players that you want to talk about. And there was a pretty dangerous free kick from Costas on about one and a half minutes that had them flapping about a bit. And we seem to have great intent as we we're playing towards the cup end, which, you know, again, is never ideal doing it in the first half. Um... You, you wonder actually in a game like this if those are the type of little things that would make the difference, uh, in just eking out results, um, that we, you know, and, in our second half pressure, which we were putting on. Maybe, maybe that just makes the difference. But anyway, it wasn't to be, um, <clears throat> a decent move by us on three minutes, which led to a corner and another corner. I, uh, unless I'm mistaken, we had absolutely, uh, big amount double figures corners. I think it was like possibly 13 or something like
1: that. It was a lot of corners that the Reds had. 13, yeah. No, 12. Sorry, 12 corners. 12 corners.
3: And (laughs) not a lot of them um, were wonderful. But a couple of them ended up in chances. We'll get to those as we go along. And there is a chance for the Reds on four minutes. The ball from one of those corners eventually falls to Mo Salah. He tries a sort of a lofted half-volley fo- uh, half thing. He's standing on the left-hand side of the box and he's aiming at the right-hand post. And it goes, it sails kind of just wide. And then Garnacho has a bit of a wild shot after he cuts in on ten minutes. It's actually an awful attempt, but um at least it's uh something in the in the pro column for them and they had registered nothing until then. Great break by us in ten minutes, ended up with um Dom Sabozley shooting from distance over the top. And one of the hobby horses for the pair of Chuckle Brothers um um, the Sky Company men this afternoon was about Liverpool's stupid shooting, and I don't like to agree with them uh, at all. Um, but there were a lot of shots taken on that it would have been better just to take another step or to play someone in. Um, it was symptomatic, I think, of frustration as the game went on. But at this time in the game, ten minutes in, you'd like to see perhaps a better chat, a better um execution of the shot or maybe like i say helping it on to the next person on 15 minutes we have another opportunity trent um, uh, cross was headed back across goal by Darwin, uh, and Luis Diaz and Gravenberg kind of got in each other's way, uh, and the ball breaks to Mosala, who kind of pokes it at the goal and it goes out for yet another corner and then another one. And neither of them lead to anything. Some solid pressure from us again leads to yet another corner in the 18th minute. Uh, I think from that one, I think that was the one where Virgil had like three attempts to feed the ball back into the danger area, into the mixer uh, header. Uh, one was footing another header and none of them led to anything for us at all. Uh, and then I'm going to pause it here very soon. Um, I have to say, I didn't know at this point, 20 minutes in, the Trent's passing and delivery was well off his usual standard. That seemed to continue throughout. It's not the pick on the guy, but you know, we're looking at a game where we need every one of our options to be sharp uh, or to be as good as they can possibly be. There's a yellow for Darwin Nunez. He picks up that yellow for kind of barging Evans out of the way so he can free up a bit of space to receive a ball, which he does well. Uh, but it is, I suppose, a fairly deliberate barge. And Simicus against Anthony on 22, uh, was one of the highlights of the, of the first half where the two lads squared up to each other and Tom Simicus stood so his ground well and did well not to bite back. Um, and all I can say at this stage, 20, 22, 23 minutes in is our final ball Jim. Our final pass is just nowhere near where it needs to be. We looked like we did all afternoon as if
1: it was going to be a little bit toothless. Sadly, that's how it panned out. Yeah, I mean, it's a shame as well. I mean, 57,000 fans, the biggest, biggest crowd at Allenfield because of the upper tier opening in the Annie Road since, well, I believe last time we played in front of that many, Ronnie Moran scored the winner for Liverpool. So that kind of gives an indication of how long it's been. Wow, wow. Um, you know, and, and when it started, you know, you never walk along, seemed to be pretty loud through the TV. Um, you know, I thought, well, this, this is a good sign. Couldn't hear the Manx with their usual, um, wonderful repertoire of stuff they usually sing through. You'll never walk alone. Couldn't hear that through the TV. Um, and I just thought, well, you know, this, this, you know, this, this is a good sign. Loud, big, big crowd, all the rest of it. Um, they win the toss. Well, you know, I mean, it doesn't very often. Happen very often. I don't think that we lose the toss, but you know, it, it's something we've always loved to see at Anfield down the Azels winning the toss and playing in front of the cop in the second half all the rest of it. But you know, it's not the end of the world, but I don't know. There's something about it. Sometimes gives me this kind of, Oh God, here we go. We've already lost the toss. Um, but really, you know, that, that, that was about as exciting, I think, as it got, um, other than in that first minute or so. I mean, we had our first corner after 17 seconds, first free kick after 53 seconds. Um, it, you know, that, that, at that point in time, you're thinking this really, really bodes well. Um, by five minutes, I'm already taking notes of how the goalkeeper's taking an age over goal kicks and all the rest of it, wasting time. Um, and I think other than wasting time, you just did a lot of kicking it out for throw-ins and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, just going through my notes here, there's just nothing, nothing to speak up about. I mean, yeah, the, the, uh, being fouled. Um, another point, there was a, the ref played an advantage and then, um, Dominic shot over. And I'm thinking, why didn't you go back for the card? But we didn't even see the replay. So maybe, maybe it wasn't bad enough for a card, but the ref was clearly saying play advantage. And again, you know, we don't see refs going back. Um, they play advantage when it's over and done with, then you, you get away with your cards so often. Um, there was an effort from, um, yeah, the Trent cross that, that, we um, just felt like we were really going close, a bit of a scramble in the box, Salah going wide. So by now, 15 minutes in, there's still not been a lot going on. But again, these are good signs. And you really think, you know, this this is going to be the point. But, I you know, I mean, I've got Nunez with these yellow card. I, I just thought it was a silly card. um another day, you might get away with it. But I think given all the sort of profile of Liverpool last weekend about people not understanding what two yellows make, that... You know, th- there was always a chance we were going to get a yellow for something that on other weeks might not be a yellow. Just almost as if, you know, the refs are thinking, let's uh, let's even things out a bit Because maybe we were too harsh booking someone for a bookable offense last week. Um And then I think uh, I've written Anthony wrestling simmy and I think that's what you were mentioning about just nearly um, advertising hoardings, and, and Simi just sort of sat back, you know, just sort of didn't didn't react. He just I thought he was. I thought he was going to react, but he didn't. And it felt to me as though you know why why wasn't Anthony spoken to at least about it? it was just It was just play on, but you know at this point, if I'm writing stuff like this down, it shows what kind of kind of a game we've had that I'm just really trying to pick things and pick things and I've written down on twenty three minutes, neither side dangerous except for that little spell from Liverpool early on, and I think that that could almost be the full time match report, neither side dangerous except Liverpool very early on. you
3: know what. You, you're not far off, man, because it seems like we're going to go around in a, a circle of um, the same kind of sentiments. Um, but let's see. Let's test the theory, Carl. You and I look at the second half of the first half and um, to be fair, again, I, 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 I'll, I'll leave it at this now. right? But I, the reason I mention it, in case people are wondering, because, it, 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 you know, some, sometimes people just don't. Really seem to grasp things. It's really important to understand what, what media does in terms of narrative creation. You're a guy who writes for a living. And so you are steeped in uh, an awareness of this. Um, but sometimes when it's being forced down your throat, it, it, it does very much, um, rankle with me and it's just patently obvious with sky they just you you understand why they're doing it's simple they're trying to drum up some interest but if you were to listen throughout the entirety of this game you would think that we were absolutely obnoxiously awful in terms of in every every sense of the word in this performance whereas what was awful about our performance was our ability to score um, most of the rest of it was, uh, good, uh, in terms of build up play and stuff like that. And we didn't really need to worry about being defensively strong. But to listen to them it, going on at this point, it was talking about like, you know, United worry Liverpool fans were expecting a walkover and it just, they were building up this narrative that they really leaned into throughout the rest of the match. They pick up a yellow card for, um, menu on, um, 26 minutes he's pretty wild in on endo they did get away for all my talk about how Michael Oliver probably was unremarkable he did he was a little bit preferential in his treatment of some of their tackles. I'd say that and Neville, of course, is saying that this uh, tackle on endo was his foot was on the ground and the replay shows his one of his feet is miles in the air. And he's kind of out of control. Uh, and he, you know, he's not the first guy to be lucky to pick up only a yellow. There's a, tw- a chance in 27 minutes where Virgil's header is tipped over from a corner. It's a decent connection, um, but it's kind of, Central and easy enough for keeper to tip over. Um, lots of talk by our pals about us being clumsy. Uh, they're delighted uh, with you know our final ball being appalling uh, and talking about how United would have bitten your hand off for the chance to be nil nil at Liverpool half an hour in. And I think maybe we should stop and acknowledge. Really, like I said, the last time I'm going to mention them. Stop and acknowledge how pathetic that narrative really is and uh, what it says about the status of Manchester United at this stage uh, of their current evolution. and um, Trout was pretty sloppy taking his eye off the ball there at one point, almost as if to give the truth to what they were saying. Gravenberg at this point, Carl, I I wouldn't mind getting your take on him because in the first half hour, it felt like he was hiding. He was tucked in field in positions where he could not receive the ball. And it was kind of very frustrating because he's obviously a, a key member of our team. We need him to be showing for it. They pick up another yellow for Amrabat, this time holding Luis Diaz back. Uh, Gravenberg has a volley deflected wide after I uh, was maligning um, him. Uh, that goes for a corner, which Ebu heads over the top. Um, again, lots of, sh- lots of chat um, about the quietness of Anfield. I, I mentioned it because Jim brought it up earlier on. Um, Onana was absolutely appalling with his distribution Two really shit clearances in a row. Um, and yet, Again, it was only talk about Liverpool's passing that I could hear. On 41 minutes, we do have an effort. It's Mo, it's a tame cross uh, shot after a very good move involving Endo, uh, who did very well in it, and Gravenberg. And um, again, we finish out with talk about um, uh, the worst atmosphere uh, for a, a Liverpool Manchester United game um, and Endo picking up a yellow for uh, a so called high foot, despite the fact that Amrabat is stooping down to head the ball. The, wow, well, we're really struggling for important things to talk about, but I'm sure you're going to pick out one or two things to do with specific individuals.
0: I'm not sure I am. I think you've placed a lot of faith in them. Um look, I think first of all, of of the of the might as well do a little bit of the commentary thing. I kinda get what they were saying, but it was wrong still, right? Because they kept going on about well, oh, Man United to be the happier team and all that and I'm thinking, well, are they really? Like all they've literally done is is basically chase shadows, sort of failed to cross the halfway line more than like twice and I think I checked um, half an hour in, dead on half an hour, Hoyland up front had had four touches of the ball. And I was like, this this fits what I've what I've been watching, really. I actually did double-check there. Nunez had only had five. So, I mean, you can see that despite the fact that I think at that point we'd had something like 67% possession, we weren't really having the, the connect that we wanted to in the final third. We weren't really making the off-the-ball movement that we wanted to. There was no way United were happier other than it was nil-nil, and we hadn't made the breakthrough because they weren't trying to make a breakthrough. It was the only reason they could possibly be happy at that point. Um, I think, though, most of what was not said, you're right, we, we did all right. I think the pressing was pretty good. We didn't let them play out. We didn't sit off and let them come out slowly. We stopped them making any kind of combination play in midfield. Um, the Onana the ones, I think you're referring to, we put one out of play to the left-hand side, got the ball back, and then put it straight out of play to the right-hand side. That was... Mildly amusing to watch as well. Um, I, I think off the ball, quite a lot of our work was good. Like The centre-backs were really, really high up. Endo was much, much better in this game. Not even just of the passing stuff, but in terms of where he had to be challenging, where he needed to be supporting. I thought he was like quite comfortably the best of our midfield three. And that probably brings us to Gravenberg, who you've just asked me about. Um, I was surprised he started this game. I thought Curtis Jones for, for the left-hand side was pretty much a certainty, um, not because of necessarily any attacking stuff because it, it, obviously he's been out injured and not had a, a really good run recently, but he just brings us that control. He brings us that ability to, to recycle and play again and make sure that we win it back, back and not let anything be other, anything other than lockdown on that side of the of the midfield. So I was really surprised he didn't start. And Gravenberg at the minute, I just, he, he can be very, very good for like, Two or three minutes at a time and then be completely missing an action for about twenty minutes in the game or just pass him by. Like it's not like he's not able to, but he picks up positions where we don't actually do those build up play through those those areas of the pitch at the minute, or he goes into someone else's, like Diaz is slightly wider, so he goes into that sort of almost left sided to forward space. But that's where Diaz is gonna nip inside to when he tries to cut in, not pass inside to. So I think there's still quite a bit for him to learn there in terms of our off-the-ball stuff. But Liverpool as a whole off-the-ball, I thought was all right. When we were winning the ball back, really, really quick. United had a couple of openings from counter-attacks. Yeah, fine, that's going to happen if you do nothing other than defend all game and then just try to run forward. You know, We can't stop literally every single time the ball crosses the halfway line. But we didn't let them create anything just as a result of good play or failing to get ourselves in the game or nothing like that at all. So I I had no problem with the way we approached the game overall. I thought we were generally pretty good. Um, And yeah, any, Any suggestion that they were the happier, I think, is misguided at best and just silly at worst, to be honest.
4: Hello. I'm here to annoy you. I'm here to annoy you into listening to more of me and more of others on EPL Index. He presents a tad predictable before every Premier League match week. And then Kevin DeVries and his crew on the EPL roundtable there every week after the Premier League match week. So make sure you listen to everything we're doing on EPL Index and follow us there on Twitter at EPL Index. Thank you. Bye bye.
3: Yeah, there's a silliness to it. I think you're right. I think there's a silliness to the um, narrative uh, trademark uh, that was going along all the way through it. We should know better at this stage than to expect anything better from that lot. They are a shocking organization, but... Nonetheless, we are stuck with them for a lot of the time, most of us. Um, so, you, you again, you'll forgive us if you're listening in the States or in Australia or wherever where you've access to different people. Um, our second half, Jim, we'll break this down. Again, we'll try to focus our attention on different people here. But And it feels, it feels like it would be really cruel to say anything too negative about any of the defenders or the goalkeeper who you couldn't because when he was called on, he was really wonderful in this second half when he was needed, um, which is why he's the best in the world. Um, but you know, it's it's easy enough, I think, for us to dig out our attackers, and we probably should. Um, and it's easy enough for us to dig out some of our midfielders for some of their decision making, and we probably should. But I just like to double down on what um, I, I I I heard from Carl there, and I just want to say that I thought Endo did very very well. I see Cam in the chat has mentioned it as well that he thought he was the best of the midfielders and, and it's it wasn't even very close. He was very, very competent. Um I said I wouldn't say it again, but I have to because this is where the stupidity gets taken hold of. And some of our own fans listen to idiots like Gary Neville and his sidekick, Jamie Carragher, who agreed when Neville said the endo in the second half was struggling in this position. And it's bullshit. He has had games where he struggled in this position. This wasn't one of them, because United did nothing to make him struggle. He was front foot. He was good. Uh, and he, a very solid outing. And anything, anything else, it's, just, it's actually just wank talk, to be perfectly honest with you. Let's get into the details of the, of the second half, Jim. 46 minutes, there was a flowing move from us. And we came out with our tails up, and Trent hits the side rigging, much as Joe Gomez does later on. 50 minutes. Mo is this time on the end of a very good move, uh, which uh, go the ball gets, he gets uh, the ball into Darwin in a central area, but the keeper's out at his feet, smother it. Um, great opportunity for Luis Diaz to run on goal uh, on about 53 minutes. And he kind of cuts in and makes a balls of it. And again,
4: we remember the
3: Luis Diaz who was scaring the shit out of opposition defenders and we were so in- electrified by him when he arrived first with his uh, running strength and power and, and, and control. And We just want to see that guy again and if you're going to cut excuses for anyone for perhaps not being mentally where they should be it'd be that guy. But I don't know, do they really hold up in the bigger scheme of things when it comes to form at this point? Um, so yeah, that was disappointing. Um, Darwin Nunes, I'll, me- I'll mention him now because we may run out of opportunities to mention him. We need so much more from that kid, and it is starting to get very frustrating to watch. He's beloved, and quite rightly so, by myself probably as much, if not more, than anyone. But there's not enough happening there, and on afternoons like this, this one... That he, he's giving people opportunities to say the cliche things about him. Um I've heard everything. I've seen everything in my timeline today from brainless to uh waste of money to uh you know not a not a finisher, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. And um we all know that he's like just a, a hair's breadth from giving the lie to all that bullshit. But it's not happening at the moment. There was a mank break, actually, on 54 minutes. I think it's their first opportunity. Garnacho was nearly in. Um, a simple pass sort of op- opened us up. And Trent, to be fair to the kid, does really well to stay with him and get a touch in, which goes back towards Ali, and Ali can stop it. Um, Gravenberg was then hurt at that point, and it's 59, 60 minutes, and we bring on Cody and Joe Gomez for Gravenberg and Dom bosley And it's an obvious enough change that we're going to make with Trent moving into the middle and Joe going right back. 63 minutes, there is a Mo effort after Trent played Joe Gomez, who just arrived on the pitch, uh, in on the right-hand side, and he cuts it back for Mo. Um, But his effort is, you know, kind of typical of our efforts today. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Uh there's talk about the real success, uh I swear an actual quote for United to get to sixty-three minutes with a a, a, a zero beside Liverpool's name. Um Nice horizons you've got there, Man United. And we'll finish here with a Trent effort, which is on 65 minutes. To be fair, it's one of the moments of the game for us. A really lovely flowing move. Good bit of football. Trent arrives in a kind of central position, hits it with, it looked like the inside or the instep as he's coming out to the ball and it just goes narrowly wide of the base of the left hand post. And, you know, we have more than enough. And I was convinced, Jim, that it would be one of those afternoons where, yeah, okay, we'll be talking on Raw about how our form is not where we wanted to be. But we'll get that goal because we've been getting that fucking goal. It just didn't happen today and certainly didn't happen in the first half of the second half.
1: No, I mean, I mean, as far as Darwin's concerned, I've noticed and I wondered, is the is the director just focusing on him or is it him that's been offside every time we've had an offside today? Cause I'm not, I'm not sure. Maybe it was him, maybe it wasn't, but you feel like that you, when you're talking about narratives, um, the focus on Nunez is massive. And I think, you know, as, as we said earlier on in the show, Salah didn't have a good game, but I think Salah is definitely the best of our frontmen, and he's not a good game. He's obviously going to be better than other players, not a good game, but if the same kind of focus went on Salad, I think, you know, there'd be so much being said, but, You know, there's definitely an agenda against Nunez, which, I mean, let's face it, um, if you're his boss, you say to him, listen, prove them wrong. And you say, okay, well, next time prove them wrong. Okay. Well, next time prove them wrong. Because at the minute, (laughs) he's taking a lot of time to prove them wrong. But how, how long? this is the difficulty for Klopp is when does he when does he say right I, I've given you enough chances now Um it's not like we're blessed with loads of options Um if Nunez doesn't start a game he's going to probably be coming on as a sub later on there's not enough players to say we're just going to give him a week off um, I hate using the word dropped in the modern game because um, again when agendas are flying around if a player misses the starting line one week it's because he's been dropped isn't it not because he's just played 11 games in a row and he's knackered and he needs a bit of a rest and he comes on for the last half an or anyway, no it's he's, he's been dropped. But I, I don't think and and again I get what Carl says as well about that you know the number of subs you're able to use now um is way more than it has been for years. Um but we just don't have and considering we had a week off for most of our lads, um we just don't have that sort of option at the moment to kind of drop players and you know, do we keep persevering with Dom or do we say right you're not playing well enough you're gonna you're gonna miss a week. Do we, are we gonna I think Ryan Gravenberg, I mean, come on, let let's let's stop persevering for a little bit. Give him a little bit of a little bit of a rest because he's clearly there's no sort of improvement each week. You're not seeing little signs of something that's that's an improvement. Um, give him a rest, especially with Curtis around. Um, but sooner or later, you know, you've got to make this decision and say, look, these these aren't doing what I need them to do. I just it, it, Liverpool could basically have another 22 players and probably still not be sure which ones to get rid of from today's game. They were just, I don't think any of them kind of deserve to play again next week, tally. Um If we've got other players on the bench who are decent, that's, that's how bad I think we were today. Yet I'm falling into that same, same trap. I mean, I'm falling into that same trap that, that we're getting from Neville and from Carragher, which when I say they were bad today, I'm saying, I'm thinking totally from the point of wanting three points. I desperately wanted three points today. Um, God, if we'd have lost today, I would have understood some of this. Um, we, we need to win games. These draws all add up at the end of the season, but I'm kind of going on again about the panic. It, they look at the league table. Okay. We've got the most draws, maybe at the top eight, I think. Um, but we've also got the most points apart from one team out of the whole table. Um, I think it feels at the moment that if ever, British football, sorry, English football could say, let's start doing a proper winter break. It feels like we're going to that stage now um, to be a week off and still play at that level. But I I mean, it's true. Anytime they did look threatening and I think they looked threatening more as the, as the game went on, as in the odd moments of actually looking a bit adventurous with a counter-attack. I just felt we had everything for them. And there was that moment with Trent, I'm not sure where that was in the game. um, Wonderful little tackle that Neville and completely didn't notice. And I think the commentator on Sky had to kind of tell him that that was a brilliant bit of work from, from, uh, Trent just to stop the, you know, almost, you know, almost a certain goal because the way the play was through. Um, but you know, this, this commentator's good, but the team that's with him must be frustrating for him. Um, a little bit like we feel. Um, but. <laughs> overall i'm just thinking you know as as we're going through this half there's no major changes in terms of what we're doing and what we're playing i think bringing the subs on we kind of moved trent into the middle which is better we had gomez out wide which means we had more width but they adapted to that you know and i'm sure they had five five at the back at one point because of that um we didn't then say right okay let's twist again um it felt like Anytime we had something for them to, and this is all in terms of breaking them down. I don't think I really worried much in that game about was conceding. um, You know, apart from the the moments with Ali, Um, whenever we were sort of trying to break them down, you just see my, we tried another thing and we tried it for ages instead of going, right, they've adapted. Let's try this one. We don't have enough tricks up our sleeves for these, for these teams. And, um, you know, in this modern day and age with technology like it is, it's not like we need to send someone scurrying back to the AXA training centres to pull some files off a shelf somewhere about how we used to play against teams from down below. You know, let, let's get looking on the iPad and see see some ideas about what we've done against teams like this because I'm still shocked at how much Manchester United set out today to play the way they did. Um, and my disappointment is that, I think under clock we've learned how to deal with those teams. We never could under Rodgers. Um, under clock we've learned how to deal with those teams and I just don't understand why today we just seem bereft of ideas. But for And that's all, all I'm talking about is for scoring the goals. The rest of it was fine because there was, there was no threat for the rest of it.
4: You know what?
3: It's lovely to hear you use that phrase because it was <clears> at <throat> one of those pivotal moments of my supporter life was listening to... Uh, Actually, I had a urinal listening to a <laughs> local, local um, book tell me that uh, in a fine, broad, Navan accent, you are no threat. <laughs> and that was that was hard to listen to at the time um, and to, you know, have to quietly nod along to because it was bloody true because it was mm. another one of those games where um, that Uruguayan lad bundled a goal in for them and it uh, w- was frustrating afternoon for us we were in our dark period but you know to be fair uh you're right I think most of the stuff that we would want to do as a team was good but what happened today was again I touched on this at the start was that at the sharp end the lads that we need to do this one little bit of magnificence, your Sabasla, your Trent, your Mo, your Darwin, just weren't at it. Luis Diaz, you pick a name, any name that you might normally associate with that touch of class that we've seen from them endlessly, just weren't able to pull that out. And I think some, sometimes I think on an afternoon like that, the, to walk away with the point, you just go, well, fucking hell. I mean, we could have been there all afternoon and not scored. And it, I don't know if it ever felt quite like that. I still had hope as the game went on. And let's talk about how the game went on, Carl, you and I, and see this game out. And Jim, I'll be back to you then for your wrap up thoughts. If you want to start putting them in, 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 in um, some sort of uh, format for yourself there. And we'll finish the show then with Carl's. Um, but to take it from the point we left off we have to be fair and say that um on 66 minutes they do have that decent um opportunity where it's a kind of a double save from Highland by Ali uh, he finds himself in on the goalkeeper um and it's a, it's a really really bit of competent keeping from um our man and that's why we love him so much. I thought Van Dyke versus McTominay on 69 minutes was absolutely fantastic um, as they were sort of looking as if they were having a half-decent spell. Uh, it certainly sounded like it to listen to the uh, uh, wittering going on in my ears uh, via my television on 69 minutes. Mo has a run and a curling effort that had Onana at full stretch to save it. And we're thinking, okay. Rashford comes on for Garnacho. They're very excited about that because Marcus Rashford's going to do the thing that they want them to do. On 75, Darwin plays a 1-2 with Mo Salah. There's a Luis Diaz shot, which gets smothered. Uh Darwin, st- <laughs> as Diaz goes down, Darwin stops convinced, pointing at the, the interaction between Darwin and the defender. It seems like he's looking for a penalty. The ball is sort of dribbling towards the end line. Uh, Jamie Carragher's in absolute raptures of horror and ecstasy mixed together because, you know, Sky Company man, about how he shouldn't just stop. And it is frustrating to see him stop. He should follow. He could possibly have gotten to the ball before the dead ball uh, line and kept it in play. Um, actually, you know what, Carl, i am going to stop there before we Push on through with the rest of the second half because I do want to get your take on that moment. Uh, it was a lot of controversy, Ben. Like, was that maybe the moment that sums up Nunes' contribution completely because he was quite in his own head, it felt, this afternoon?
0: Um, arguably the moment that summed up the match, to be perfectly honest, because it was one, one decent bit of sort of, um, combination play, which we hadn't really seen too much of, but it was even that was like slightly on the stretch and slightly never quite under control. And then it kind of bubbled the way of somebody else. So it wasn't really those two who were involved in the move, having the shot in the end. And then the shot was wasteful as well. But we did, we did have shots today, not loads of good chances. And certainly we can ignore the XG today because although that can sometimes tell you a good thing today, what did you say it was earlier? Two point four or something like that. That's yeah. simply accumulation. There's nothing else. You know, there's no you know, big massive chances really that we had other than accumulation which has got us past the two goals mark. But we did have some opportunities and the finishing was really wayward. And if I'm being brutally honest, Diaz should score here. Right? He should score. He's whacked it basically straight ahead of himself and that's fine because it's at speed and all the rest of it. But he's being closed down. The goalkeeper's coming out. A f- fully firing and locked in Diaz probably dummies the shot, cuts it back, and everybody crashes into each other and he rolls it into the side of the net. Yeah, into the side the side corner of the net. So it's probably the best opportunity that we had overall. Um I don't think Nunez would have got it anyway, to be honest, even if he carried on running, because it does deflect away a bit of a pace and there's like a good five yards between him and the ball when it sort of bounces the first time. So I don't think he would have got it anyway. Yeah, ideally you want him to be just Just put the ball in and worry about a penalty later on, or at least go for the ball. But I do think he was probably too far away from me.
5: I don't need a VPN. I've got nothing to hide. (laughs) This is what I used to tell myself before I hooked up with LibertyShield.com. Not only is my home internet now fully encrypted, but I can now access all the websites I want, whenever I want, and do so from absolutely anywhere.
3: yeah absolutely fair enough and and yeah that, you're right in that it? it sums up the 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 frustration of the afternoon pretty well that moment, and you know like The 34 shots that the Reds had this afternoon does represent a uh, record for the league this season. Uh, The six attempts by Manchester United represents a low point for them this season. Um, But we only ended up with eight of those in targets, which very much gives the backing to what you were saying about the quality of those shots. Uh, Just to see the rest of the game out, you and I. Uh, there are still a couple more opportunities because a minute after that, I think it, it results from a corner, uh Ibu Kanate is up in their box and it drops to him and he's we see the really odd spectacle of Ibu Kanate twisting and turning and opening up a position for him to shoot in a central area and he does the centre half thing of striking through the ball and it goes central and the keeper is able to deal with that. We bring on Curtis Jones and Harvey Elliott for Darwin and Luis Diaz on 77 minutes. Now This is the era or the area of the game where we've been incredibly successful this season in making frustrating afternoons and evenings into happy afternoons and evenings by being effective in this period of the game. So we bring on Curtis, we bring on Harvey, and we think, OK, well, maybe these are going to be the difference-makers for us. They bring on Palestrian and Hannibal for Medu and Anthony. and There is a good move with Cody Gakpo involved, which leads to a corner. Ebu Kanate nearly finds himself in on goal again. Uh, there is a potential handball for Liverpool on Shaw, Um, I've seen differing accounts of it. I wasn't even arsed to watch any more than the initial replay. And I think we only got one replay on Sky. Uh, they said that it hopped off the body and onto his arm. So therefore there was nothing he could do about it. I've heard a contrasting claim from Cy Brundish where he said it was the other way around. Uh, at the time I just thought, well, we're not getting this. And true enough Villar did not give it in our favour on 85 minutes it was a great move from us where Joe Gomez finds himself bearing down on goal from the right hand side and blams it into the side rigging probably you'd like to see them at least make it into a cross shot which might have kept it alive 87 minutes shot. Uh, on Ibu picks up a yellow to stop his uh, break and it's again high feet and it's again another one that could easily have been a red on a different afternoon but um, to, to listen to the commentary teams nah there's nothing in that I, I, I just at this point I've written down that the, the most disappointing in terms of the output to ability ratio was for me on the afternoon trend because we've begun to rely on him. And when he was playing right back at world-class level, he was our most creative outlet. And now that we've got these midfielders who can do a little bit more than our previous midfielders creatively, that took the the pressure off a little bit, but we really need him on afternoons like this to do it. And when he's a midfielder, he definitely needs to do it. But I just thought he had a very bad, bad afternoon to Trent. Five minutes were added. Rashford got a yellow should again possibly a red. It should have been possibly a red on Sibikas, a horrible tackle on 91. Cody Gakpo headed over the resulting free kick, uh, from Trent. There was a dangerous ball into the box from them soon after that, which you know, could have been a horrific way to end the game. And maybe that's where we might focus a bit of our attention again. Allison does well, gets a foot to it. Dallos sent off for some stupid double uh descent thing. And on 95 minutes, you said earlier on you thought you had the moment that summed up the game. For me, the moment that summed up the game was on 95 minutes where it's our last attempt to attack and Trent just plays the most obnoxiously shit pass into the area uh, and away on 95 minutes just to sum up an afternoon of wasted potential. Anything you'd like to pick out from that specifically? And bear in mind, you will have a chance to sum up again in a minute after I talk to Jim.
0: Um, I mean, I think Trent's delivery into the area was pretty poor all day. There were so many overhit ones. Um, I can't even remember if we mentioned it earlier on. You, you probably did as you were going through the... the the chances, but you know, his one on the run, which he put just past the post uh, to the left was really the only time we set up at what well, I term um, a clear shooting chance. All the rest is like stupid shots into blocked uh, areas and trying to rush things from silly angles and that kind of thing. That was really the only open shooting chance, I think, other than Diaz, isn't that um Nothing much else other five minutes before all this started, I kind of just thought it's not happening today. Just like I was with you for quite a long time. We, we've we've taken the points at this stage of the game so many times. You think it's going to happen again, but I absolutely didn't think that, that was going to. In the you know when the board gets held up in five minutes, and you think oh big
3: push, no, it, it, we had nothing. It was very very disappointing from that respect. I think that that is that's my takeaway. And this is where I find myself leaning towards uh, our more pessimistic brethren on the bird app and thinking, yeah, we should like we have enough good players to bring in who could have taken the burden off our underperforming other players and they weren't able to do it either. So all around it is a big disappointing shit sandwich. You'd have to say there's no two ways about it. There's no point in trying to dress up uh something that is uh um hard to take it's the whole lipstick on a pig thing i guess um if you're trying to be too positive about it but it's just to inject a little bit of reality into the into chat was why i started where i started and jim you know let's get your sort of you know at the end of oftentimes these conversations can leave you leave you either more agitated than you were initially less agitated than you were initially or equally as bereft of <laughs> positivity as you were uh, originally uh where are you landing with the game overall any sort of observations you want to make anyone you want to pick out that we didn't pick out and do finish with uh, a reminder of what we've got coming up from you
1: yeah i mean uh- all, all my gripes today with Liverpool are about the, the, you know, the fact that the one thing we didn't get today, the one thing we really needed to do today, the one thing you need to win a game is goals, you know, and a goal at least, and you know that that's the frustration for me, and I'm sure that's the frustration for a lot of us. there's frustration as well. I mean, I mean, well well done Sky. I mean, BT did it the other week with Flesh. Um, you know, you you doing your own product down when you put in. Gary Neville droning on for 90 minutes through a game. Um, th- this is, this is a big game, but today it wasn't a big game. The hype that was, that was, that we were hearing going into it didn't happen. I mean, a 7-0 and a 4-0 win against them, you know, everyone's expecting it to be what, 11, 12, 13 no, That's, that wasn't going to happen. It was almost, you know, I don't, I don't put bets on the footy because I feel it never works out well for me. Um, but if i did i would have probably gone for a nil nil a die again because everyone's thinking there's going to be lots of goals um Today, they just weren't. We just didn't have what it took. The ideas, the finishing, the right ideas. Um, the amount of times we made the wrong choices, the amount of times, and, and I'm, and I'm who sort of, I'm advocating a lot of the time for, you know, have a go, you know, test the keeper, test the defenders, have a go. If it ricochets off a defender, if the goalkeeper parries it, there's a chance for someone following it up. Today, the shots were all from too far away. They were too tame. Um, I mean, I'm only surprised if Han has got loads of points in fantasy for saves today, but they were, how many of them are actually decent saves, you know, how many of them were really decent efforts, I mean, I mean Van Dyke went close but it was straight at the keeper and that's not to criticise Van Dyke, but that's more to say that out of all those shots and out of the handful that were on target how many of them were really dangerous and I'm not worried and this is the other thing that comes out of this, as bad as that was today in terms of getting the goal and as frustrating as it was I know this team can get goals. I know this team can score. I know this team has ways of breaking other teams down that play like this, that play, um, uh, you know, from the Jose Mourinho copybook or whatever. These, these are the games that we can win nowadays under clock. We didn't today. Um, so I'm not, I'm not worrying. Um, on top of that, the crowd today, I think it's something we need to look at, something we need to find out why it keeps happening. Um, I wasn't at the game today. I almost was, but um didn't quite make it a ticket. didn't quite work out. But, you know, it, I, I'm sure people who are at the ground can tell us how bad the atmosphere was. I did wonder, because the, the Manx were so quiet on the TV, whether they'd had their volume turned down by Sky, because maybe they were worried there was going to be a lot of, cha- um, you know, poverty chanting and all the rest of it, tragedy yeah. chanting. You're,
3: you know, you're, the, you're you know, right. You're right. There was, because people on Twitter were saying it because they were getting it filtered to them from people who were in the ground. Right. So I think you're right. Uh, and I think maybe that did have an overall impact on how we received the atmosphere through the uh, medium of television. But it's an interesting point you make here. I'm just jumping in here because yeah. I, I want to just get you to expand on this a little bit because back in 08, 09, you would have been going regularly to the game. Yeah. And that was a, a wonderful season. And what I couldn't get over I, I, in the couple of times I was there, including the time when we, went top of the league but drew uh, as opposed to winning the the angst in anfield that year fucking unbelievable now i could understand that because there was this huge at the time what was it 20 years uh or more well it wasn't about 20 years it was uh yeah it was it was kicking that kicking the arse out 20 years before we'd won the league title yeah. So I, I you, we all understood where the angst was coming from, but angst there was, and it had a massive impact in that the mood was, oh, borderline sour at times Uh when we were riding high on top of the league with this wonderful new striker and this wonderful midfield and uh, all the rest of it. And, you know, it, it kind of crept in a little bit at other times, but the year we won the league, we won it so bloody comprehensively that that never had a chance to happen. And so I wonder if that's what it is now, because we understand that for us to win the league, City have to fuck up and they have been fucking up. And as a result, then we need to take advantage. And today we have not done that. And I wonder if is it completely understandable angst and tension?
1: It, I mean, there's definitely that. And I think I don't know the, the I've always thought that like you sort of, you go to the game and you say things at the game that you don't, sorry, the things that you don't say at the game, uh, you know, all the negative stuff. If you can't say something positive, keep your gob shut. Um, don't get me wrong, you're still going to get on players' backs and things, but, you know, keep quiet. So, you know, if, if, if all the stuff that's going to come out your mouth, loud and on you know, mass is negative against your own team then what do you actually expect to come from that and i fully understand people being worried and negative and and worry and panicking and and stuff but you know what what does it say to a player when you get this sort of like oh when they've made a mistake instead of oh you know and it just these i mean there's quite nuanced little differences in my little groaning noises there but you know they <laughs> you know they sort of the encouraging oh my god i can't believe that went wide and the sort of negative, like, leave this club immediately version of, oh my God, I can't believe you missed that. Um, You know, there are only subtle differences, but get behind the team. But I, I wonder whether today, I mean, again, volume might have been a thing, but um are too many people sort of practicing that idea? If you've got nothing positive to say, don't say anything. Because it's just so quiet. And the thing about the crowd, it's not just about singing the songs. And, I mean, the cops sing all the way through the game, but depending on where you are in the ground, you can't always hear them because... The crop is basically the smallest stand now and they're right at the back under the roof. Genuinely, you can't hear it from all around the ground. Um, But it's not the singing. The singing's part of the atmosphere. What really, really changes things is the referee having the whole crowd on his back when he's not sure what decision to make. One of their players trying to shepherd the ball out, having the whole crowd on the back. The whole of the cop letting one of our midfielders know it's man on. You know, these are all the things that make a difference and the singing is great, but that is not all the be all and end all of what the atmosphere is at Anfield or what it should be and I don't think Oliver was feeling at all pressure today I doubt he had to put his finger on his ear to have a proper listen to his headpiece you know his earpiece to see what was being said from Stockley Park Um it just felt far too quiet today again I wasn't there so I don't know if Sky have, have volume from what you're saying they probably have um, but well, even, actually, even um, allowing for that you know
3: let me cut in because Cam was at it and Cam was put in the, in the chat there that the game today he was at it with uh, Harinder I saw the, the pictures of the lads earlier on yeah. and he reckoned that from the games he's been at which is Manny the atmosphere has been better but it's also been worse yeah. he says on a few occasions uh, he could see the likes of Ali and Virgil trying to get the crowd going and that's as indicative as anything else, just of what you're saying there, that it was it was not where you'd want it to be, which is a fucking cauldron.
1: Yeah, and I saw Trent at one point as well, trying to do the same. And so if we if we've got three players here and there's, and that's just the ones we just mentioned, all going to the crowd and saying, "Can I turn the volume up?" Then the volume needs turning up, and that's something we need to look at. And I don't know how we fix it. I mean, we we can talk all day. There's, we could do weeks of podcasts probably with ideas, and no one will ever be quite happy. But we've got to try something. Um The only thing I can say is for those who are lucky enough to get to a game, you know, you've got a ticket, to get you have got take your gob with you you know just get involved speak up don't be frightened no one's going to sort of have a moan at you for being too noisy in a game unless it's full of negativity so just make all the noise you can um, get behind the team as much as you can and you know if you're at the ground don't blame everybody else if you're being quiet which is easy to do I mean it is easy to do you sit around sometimes you sit in there you see people arms folded thinking oh god what is going on here we're going to lose here aren't we and the, you know stop it get some positivity and you think about all the clubs lower down the league who can bang drums and everything when you know they're probably going to get relegated again. Yet they can still be loud every th- all the way through a game. Let's have more of that. Um, you know, and the same for the players. You know, don't wait for the crowd to react. Crowd, don't wait for the players to react. You know, just both get in there from the off. Um, I mean, as a sign of how good it was today, I reckon Ali didn't touch the ball with his hands. I don't remember him touching his, the ball with his hands until the 51st minute. Um, and obviously, when he did touch the ball with his hands later on, we needed him um so you know again that's a good thing quickly just like to have a good mention for time wasting um you expect even the teams lower down the table and that's the kind of play manchester united had today i'd love to know how much time was wasted today by by them at, at goal kicks and all the rest of it and how much actually got added on because i don't think there was much i mean the game went to 90 minutes the added five on there was a sending off in the stoppage time and i think He called time at 95 and 50 seconds. So, you know, time wasting wasn't something he was taking an interest in. And I I hate that in football and I wish we'd do more about it. And my sort of hope in that game was that maybe we do what we did to Newcastle that time when all the time was added on. We scored in the added-on time and then um, a certain Newcastle manager was fuming. But, I mean, just to sum up on on, on where we are, we're one point above Arsenal at this point in the season. We play them next We're four points above City and... I don't care, you know, how easy it is to sort of get dragged down and to raise your hopes and feel like you've had them dashed. If someone had said to you a month ago that going into Christmas, that the, you know, the Arsenal game the day before Christmas Eve, we'd only be a point behind them and before above City, would would you have been crying about it? I just don't think anyone would. Still in our hands. This is what we've got to take, you know.
3: Still in our hands. You mentioned it. It's a really important thing. We beat Arsenal. We are top, and nobody
1: can take that off us, and we keep winning games. Exactly, and that's it. And that's that's the thing to do is to is to look at the positives. By by all means, talk about the negatives because I know for a fact that Klopp and his team will be, but they won't be sort of sending them all out miserable. They'll be sending them out with positives about the good stuff they they have done, the good stuff they're still doing, and reminders maybe about the things they forgot to do today. Um, Because that's what I feel like it is. It's more tweaks, if anything, and we'll we will get it. And I'm, you know, I don't want to speak too soon, but I'm confident that we can show Arsenal the the true Liverpool next weekend we'll see. Um oh yeah, I mean just to wrap up from me as well. I will probably be doing a Scout at Tommy's at some point with Jay this week. I'm sure we'll do one. Um plenty to talk about, about what I can think about the game today. Um because I hear Jay's take on it as well as one of those who was at the game. And of course look ahead to Arsenal. Um probably probably one of our favourite fixtures I would say is Liverpool fans from teams that aren't f- from sort of relatively local to us. So um I've always enjoyed that fixture, usually because we've done well in it.
3: And hopefully, I will continue. And if you have any sense, you'll be getting your ears around whatever Jim and Jay are producing during the week. It's always a great chat. Always uh, feel like you're uh, listening to well informed fellas who are just having a chat that's very accessible, which I think is a very, very good thing in a podcast. And just to give Cam his final word, he was wrecking on the whole. uh, the whole uh, fan thing—that it is a two-way street—and I think that's absolutely right. I think exactly, yeah. it, it is incumbent upon the players to uh, to give the fans something to shout about, and some, uh, quite often, it's, it's, look, it's easy. Uh, we we will never be accused on this podcast um, of of telling people out to support, but I love Jim's take there, take your gob with you. I love that. I've always <laughs> I've always been of that opinion myself, and uh, you know, from my earliest days, i mean, the first games I was going over to was a young fella and, and you'd hear. <laughs> You know, and, and, and back then the demographic was a little bit different in terms of, uh, the so-called out-of-towners who are the apparently the buzz killers, but they're the people quite often who like it. I've gotten more uh, fanatical hugs by Norwegians and Korean lads than I have by any local lads. And quite often, re- regularly behind me in the cop, was some local lad just mumbling, going, you're a shite, you, you know, like that was basically yeah. what it was. We have to, we have to have a little bit of, there has to be a bit of, Nuance about that discussion as well, because it's too easy to break it down into stupid kind of uh, tropes and stereotypes. And I, I, I really, I'm a hundred percent with you, man. I, I feel like it's a privilege to be there and maybe do your bit to help the the lads uh, get over the line if you can. It's a big, it's a big deal. Uh, Carl, let's get your final thoughts uh, to finish the show here. Um, I mean, we've 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 talked myself and Jim there about what happened towards the end of that second half, and I'd love to say that there was loads of instances you'd like to jump in on, but there probably wasn't. Uh, Maybe there was one or two players you'd like to highlight, however, that we haven't given enough attention to or a general uh, thought or two that we haven't put enough stress on. So take it away, my friend. Yeah, uh, maybe
0: just one of the two of the players. Kostas Simikas, we haven't really mentioned too much, but I thought he was good for what he was able to do today. Um, Like you mentioned before, Andy Robertson in top form, you are going to miss him if if he's not available for you. But, I thought Simikas in terms of being available, uh, I mean, not just literally for the game, but in what he offered himself to his teammates was really good. He made so many overlaps down that left-hand side today, even after he was involved in the move. And in the first half, especially, he must have had three really good opportunities on the outside and was completely ignored by, I think, Salah once, Diaz once, I'm not really sure, maybe Gravenmurge was the other one, uh, who didn't play him in basically when he would have obviously been able to slide low one across the six hour box, whatever. Um, We mentioned him for the Anthony moment. Offensively, I think he was all right, perfectly good. Um, One of those who was winning the ball high upfield and also able to get back and do what he needed to um, one-on-one. So all things considered, I think he played well. I think worth highlighting that Van Dijk again was pretty much flawless. I don't don't remember anything that he missed out on basically. Um, And, that is obviously a big big thing for Liverpool to have him playing as well as he can do as, as often as he can do um, whenever that happens we have more chances of the defenders not losing I think he's had a good run of form recently and that's going to be very very much key to us staying in and around the positions that we are right now um, I think the only other thing I would mention is Salah late on in the game kind of took it upon himself to get more involved after being on the fringes uh, and you could see he was a bit more a bit more determined, a bit more aggressive. He tried to do a couple more dribbles all, all by himself kind of thing and not always going to come off. Almost did with setting up Gomez with that one chance. But uh, again, after nothing had happened really beforehand, I don't have an issue with someone trying to do something at the very least. Um, rubbish result in the end, but positives. Still beaten at Anfield. Still only conceded five goals at Anfield. Marcus Rashford has still never scored a goal at Anfield. So that's the eight attempts I think he's had now. Uh, no goals for him. And just a couple of other numbers from the game. Um, I was surprised Jones, when he came on, was basically put on the left wing spot, which when he came through, obviously is what he was, but hasn't been that in senior matters for years now. And a little reshuffle would have put people maybe in, maybe in more areas where we could have seen something from them. Like if he'd have gone into midfield, you free Trent up to get forward a little bit more in midfield, then. Gakpo probably to the left because he was pretty ineffective on the right-hand side, let's be honest. Uh, and then Elliot over onto the right-hand side. So I don't really get the changes that Klopp made for that pair of substitutions or at least um, where he put them. But when he did come on, I think Jones was, let's say, solid. You know, he didn't do anything wrong. He didn't give the ball away. He won it back a couple of times. Um, he, he, I think he had one shot, didn't he, as well. So generally speaking, our shots were poor today, but we did have at least a number of people willing to take them on, even if that wasn't the
3: best decision, I suppose we'll be grateful for that on another day. 100%. And in terms of uh, the inevitable bulk of content that's going to be coming up from you with a game midweek and the massive Arsenal game coming up, which, you know, to to harken back to what Jim said right at the start is... Should we win that, we are still in a position where you would never take it to read what's going on here, that we can actually then be back in a situation where the title's in our hands. You're going to have a lot of stuff, surely, coming up in terms of articles and podcasts.
0: Yeah, we'll definitely have a, a midweek scout ahead of the West Ham game. It might not be entirely on West Ham because it's obviously League Cup, but we will definitely talk about that because it's relevant to what comes after that. Um, obviously habitually we've rotated in the cup whether we'll do that now with a semi-final berth at stake is, is certainly something to debate so we'll have uh, scouted ahead of that scouted ahead of Arsenal and do you know what? the point is I think out of these three matches if we win the next two we suddenly do find ourselves over Christmas in a semi-final of a cup and top of the league and I think everybody would take that right
3: you know it and hopefully that's exactly what we'll be talking about on the next two rows as Carl says we will be back for that one um in the uh, cup midweek and we will be back for the one against Arsenal next weekend and that's what we will be doing rolling through this season with you hoping to uh, bring you more highs than lows and bring you more happiness than sadness and help you work your way through the match and the feelings you have about it that's the absolute definition of why we're here. That's the whole reason for this show. And hopefully uh, we're doing it in a way that's not too offensive to your ears. We, very much appreciate you and your listenership I've said this on a few shows recently but it doesn't get said enough Uh, the channel would not exist without you people supporting us you're a tremendous set of lads and we do appreciate you immensely and ladies just in case you thought that was lads by the way in Ireland is uh, gender fluid just so (laughs) you know Uh, but we will wrap it up you heard Jim Boardman, you heard Carl Matchett, Um, very very happy to work with the two lads uh, on a regular basis and they brought a sense of balance to what was a difficult uh, show for us to do. I've been Trev Downey. Guy Drinkle is our super producer in the background and we'll be back with you midweek for more Raw.
2: We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show